Today's episode of the NFL Show is brought to you by State Farm. When you need a game plan for protection, State Farm agents are here to help. With personalized service, agents are available to talk in person, over text, or through the State Farm app. So go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. Find an agent in your neighborhood today. State Farm. Talk to an agent today. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how are you doing, buddy? I'm pretty excited after that Sunday night game, to be honest with you. I can't blame you. It was the we, we had to pay a heavy tax with some awful games <laughs> for seven hours, and then we were rewarded with some just magnificent football for four hours. So we talked about it on the Thursday show in the sense that it was a potential football nerd dream. Yep. What that game would look like. And it lived up to those expectations in every way possible. Yep. I mean, it was, we knew what this game looked like. The Ravens were the only team in the NFL scoring a point on over 50% of their drives. The Patriots were allowing a point on, I think, 7.7% of drives, something like that. So this was, look, the, the Patriots has not played a team like the Ravens, and you can see, that can mean a lot of things. Number one, they haven't played a team as good as the Ravens. Um, but beyond that, they just hadn't played a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. There are no quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson. I mean, this was this is the type of team you wanted to see Belichick game plan for. And look, I think that the most important thing is what happens in January when these two teams play, and I have a feeling they will. But right now, Lamar Jackson looks like an MVP candidate. So does tonight like change your opinion of the Ravens ceiling? What, what does this game, if it does at all, how does it influence the way that you think about Baltimore and what they can possibly do? It's a great question. So I don't have a ready-made answer because I know this is, this I don't either. Hack, this is such a hacky thing to say, but we have an entire half of the season. I, I feel this yeah. way also about the Lamar Jackson MVP race. If the, if the MVP race ended right now, Lamar Jackson might be the MVP. But like, what, what is what is the use of that, right? Um, there's a couple amazing things Lamar Jackson did tonight. One of these, uh, first of all, the Ravens put up 37 points in the Patriots. That's the most allowed by the Patriots in a road game since the infamous Kansas City game that led to we're on to Cincinnati. That's where we're at. There will not be a similar level of panic because First of all, we, we've just seen this movie far too many times, but I just but thought that was... Let's, that, let's, let's take like a step back and think about that for a second. Sure. Like, th- like that moment was the culmination of a rough month for New England, right? Like that team was reeling. This was... Well, and also they hadn't, they hadn't won a Super Bowl in a while. Sure. But like even beyond that, that team was in trouble. This team so far this year had been the best statistical defense we've seen ever. Right. To put up 37 on this team, it's an entirely different situation. I just want to like throw out the context before you move on. But like No, 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 of course. So no, no, no one's saying there's time to panic here. I still think the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. I just think that's why it's so impressive what they just did. Because it's it's not as if there's this it's the fourth game in a month where uh, we have a Patriots team that's been struggling. It's been a Patriots team that's been dominant. And for them to do this to that team, I think that is a huge part of whatever the dialogue about this game is. Here, here's the other part that I found fascinating. So this is from the NFL. Lamar Jackson is the second player in history with a passing touchdown and multiple rushing touchdowns in a game against the Patriots and Bill Belichick's coaching tenure. Okay, The only other player who did it was Ronnie Brown. 
And what's important, <laughs> what's important about that. I, I can't wait that, to hear you do this. I'm ready. What, what's important about that is that Ronnie Brown, that the Wildcat came out of nowhere for that game, right? That was talked to Rodney Harrison about that game. Yep. And he said it was the only time that Bill Belichick was not prepared for something. And in fact, it was the only time he wasn't over prepared for something. Like this was the that was really, I, I believe Rodney Harrison said that was the only time he saw Bill Belichick get flat out out coached because he just wasn't prepared for that particular thing. This wasn't that. I mean, we knew who Lamar Jackson was. This wasn't, this is not a gimmick offense. This isn't anything. This is just Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens have built an amazing offense. It has nothing to do with gimmicks or or Belichick being unprepared for something. This was just flat out awesome football. This is an offensive line that is just phenomenal and built for this. Orlando Brown dragged Lamar Jackson to the end zone at one point. I mean, that was the reverse bush push. That was awesome. And then they just have speed outside of that offensive line. I mean, this team is built for what we saw on Sunday. This was not a gimmick. This is not a one-time thing. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but or I'm not saying that, you know, I, I don't know how many times, if, if the Patriots and the Ravens play on a neutral field, I don't know, I don't know how many times um, the, the Ravens win. But... Tonight, we saw what this team is capable of. So, yes, you have to recalibrate your expectations of the Ravens. They can win the NFC, the AFC because we saw what they could do tonight. So, I, I think a lot of the things you said are right. I don't think it's a gimmick offense, but I do think it's hard to play against in the same way the Wildcat would have been. I'm not trying to say that this is a trick or that the Ravens are getting by on deception solely. But I do think that it's entirely different than any other offense you're going to play against. And I think that maybe for a season, that can win you a Super Bowl. I, I, I gimmick is the wrong word because the connotation of that is negative. And I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't call it a gimmick offense. But it is so different that I do feel like it prevents a team from being able to do what they want to do defensively, if that makes sense. That's the point, I yes. think. I think that's I'm the okay point, and that. that's what John Harbaugh sure. was trying to build. Yes. So I think that if they can continue to evolve this and change this, I mean, I, I don't think that they're just going to have the, this set of ideas and then they're just never going to do anything else with Lamar Jackson. I think that being unique and building something around Lamar Jackson, that's a movable feast. That can, that can change from week to week, year to year, decade to decade. I mean, this is, this is, this is what... Lamar Jackson was drafted for is you draft him and then you figure out what to do next with with the creative offense. And so I, I think that the fact that he's so hard to prepare for will always be true as long as he has this level of talent. I 100% agree with you. And I'm, I'm you can hear my hesitation as I talk about it because I don't want to seem like I'm to, like judging it or, or, or thinking about it in a negative Ra- way. Raven, Ravens fan Mallory Rubin is already on her way to Chicago right now to beat you up. I it's it's just so different than everything we see from an NFL offense. And I mean, you can go look good. at my Twitter. I mean, for God's yes. sakes, good. Have you seen NFL offenses last forty years? I mean, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl with the Ravens, like in this decade. You you keep jumping at me here, and I'm like, I'm I'm trying to be like. All right, I'll trying, let you, I, I will not interrupt for the rest of your point. I, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I, I understand why it seems like I, I'm talking about it with, with an, in a negative way or like a skeptical way, but I'm not, it, it's cool. Like, I, it's, 
Does it look like a high school offense in a lot of ways? Yes. And that's awesome to me. It's just something we've never, we have not seen in the NFL in the last, I'm, I'm trying to put a time frame on it. When do you think is the last time we saw this level of option football? Probably 2013. And I still don't yeah. think it was like this. I, I don't think it was this pronounced. To be honest with you, when, when I was watching this game today, tonight, and Lamar Jackson was doing things that just looked like you shouldn't be able to do them on a football field with his talent. I was thinking a little bit about how I think we've forgotten how good some of those quarterbacks were in 2012 and 2013. Like Robert Griffin III, for that season before his knee blew out, was as electrifying a player as there was this decade. His highs were as high as almost anybody this decade. And I would put Colin Kaepernick, playoff game against Green Bay, I would put them, yeah. uh, both those guys, as far as just, I mean, absolute studs who were doing things that we didn't think were possible in the football field. And I, I would put, you know, I think there's five, six, seven guys who this decade just changed our view of what's possible in a football field. And I think Lamar Jackson is is one of these guys. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, this is not something we see all the time, but that's a good thing in the NFL. I 100, I, yes. I mean, it, it's definitely a good thing. Like, it, it, it is a, an ob, objectively, it is a good thing. I'm just trying to wrap my mind around it because it's so different. It's, it's hard to kind of process what it looks like and say like, all right, can this be sustainable? All of this stuff. In terms of like how we think about football and how we just evaluate the NFL, it's a challenge in the same way that preparing for it is a challenge. I guess that's what I'm saying. And I think that the RG3 thing is probably the best example I can think of because like tonight, they're running full house backfields. Like it's it is yeah. a it was a pistol based offensive approach, and that's a lot of what the Redskins did in 2012 because they were doing a lot of pistol stuff that led into play action passes. So that's probably the comparison that I would make. But even that is not a one to one thing because they're doing like mid zone, like they're they're reading defensive tackles. And using that to flip the math, it's just, it's such a cool thing. And I, I don't know if it can last the rest of the season. I don't know if it can last like beyond this, but right now, I think it's the most interesting thing an NFL team is doing. That's what I will say. Okay. So I'm a little more optimistic about the, the longevity of it. But what I'll say is that with, with this the development of this offense, this is not out of nowhere. This is the continuation of a decade of progress. Oh, it's a well so thought I, out plan. I, I don't think the read option ever died. I don't think that you know the spread offense will ever die. I don't think any of these things that we've talked about ever go out of style. They just evolve and they collide with other schemes, then become different. Right? You know, Chris Alt, who was the master of the pistol at Nevada, <laughs> was. A on essentially on Andy Reid's staff as a consultant for three seasons, and I think that the, his one rule was he wouldn't game plan against Colin Kaepernick because Kaepernick um, obviously was his quarterback at Nevada. But I think that this is not it's, John Harbaugh did not bring the pistol or anything to football. He just took the pistol and made it cooler. Um, or, you know, and, and I think the professional level taking those sort of ideas we've seen and making them 
10%, 15% better with, you know, with all the schemes we we now have in the history and, and so much tape on it from, you know, from the time that the pistol became in vogue in the NFL in 2011 until now, you can take these things and evolve them. I think that's, what's, what's really cool about this. You know, I saw an incredible stat. I think it was uh, Zach Cox tweeted this out about, you know, the Ravens had back-to-back drives of eight minutes and nine minutes. That's not supposed to happen in this league. And if you can c- control the ball like that, listen, time of possession, way overrated. But if you can just score and never give the opposing offense the ball back, I mean, that's how you beat Patrick Mahomes. That, you know, that, that's how you – that is an amazing feat that I think is, is just kind of neat to see in 2019. Yeah, I don't think it's about time of possession. I think it's about dictating the game. No, of I think course. it's about being able to own the Time game. Time possession overrated things in football. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's more about being able to play the game you want to play. And I think that's the most interesting, impressive, enviable thing about what the Ravens in 2019 are, is that they've been able to dictate the game. And they've done it by just having a complete understanding of who they want to be. That's it. Like I, I think it's as simple as that. Uh, I will say this. Week 10 last year, which we're entering into next week, the New England Patriots lost by 24 to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they're in a much better place than they were this time last year. And I don't know if you remember this, but they won the Super Bowl last year. I, I, th- this has nothing to do with the Patriots to me. No, I agree. Well, like, it, I mean, it has a little bit to do with the Patriots. I, they did give up 37 points. Sure. But like it, it's as we're having this discussion, I, this is not about results to me. This is about process. This, this is about an NFL team looking at what they have looking at the players they have, the overall just kind of ability, like it, just the the outcomes that are possible for them and having an incredible grasp of them. That's it. I, I, I Do I think the Ravens are the best team in the NFL? Do I think they'll beat the Patriots the next time they play them? I have no idea. But I'm just so impressed with a team that understands – the right way to go about their process because there's so many NFL teams that don't. That's it. Here's here's what I learned about the Ravens. Okay. I, I I agree with you. I didn't learn a ton about the Patriots on Sunday. I still think they're the best team in the NFL. Here's what I learned about the Ravens on Sunday night. They can be the best team in the NFL. Yeah. And it just I tweeted about this and I, and it's it, I, I had this thought a lot while I was watching this game. It's just so fun to watch a franchise that is open-minded. And like we've always thought that about the Patriots, right? Like the the Patriots are so humble in their understanding of how to build a team. Every year is different. Every bit of information is different. Every way you can do it is on the table for them. And that's how I feel about Baltimore this year. They they've just They've never they they haven't rejected anything out of hand, whether it's the way they built their offense, how often you should go for it on fourth down, all of this stuff, and it's just the way I think you and I our value systems about what we like about football. Baltimore aligns with it in pretty much every single way. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that's true. Yeah, I mean they they took a quarterback and instead of complaining about what he can't do, which dozens of head coaches have done with college quarterbacks over this decade. They celebrated him and they went all in with him and they built a team where they can be one of the best teams in football with them. I mean, like that is the lesson of this decade is you, when there's a special player, you take him and figure everything else out later. They figured everything else out later. Congratulations to the Ravens for doing this. Seriously. I mean, it's a, it's a football 
feet and and um they took a chance um on uh, you know listen there were a lot of skeptics out there because the nfl is full of dumb skeptics that's that's sort of what the nfl does it's full they, of close-minded skeptics that's the thing they it's, take it's full they of unimaginative people the default the default operating procedure for every everybody who's good in college is the nfl minds assume they're not going to work in the pros unless they're exactly like someone who previously succeeded in the pros and so i just imagine that, if that's what I, that, yeah, that, I think that's right. it and so in order when i say it's a football feat i don't mean making lamar jackson good because lamar jackson did that what i say when i say football feat i mean going in and making them as as going all in as quickly as possible and making this roster as competitive as possible when he hasn't even started a full season of football. I mean, that is to, to know what Lamar Jackson needed exactly and build this roster this quickly and already have that, you know, a pretty good defense. That is the feat. Eric DaCosta, Ozzie Newsome, John Harbaugh, Greg Roman. Good job by you. All right. So let's stay kind of on that line of thinking and let's get to stock up and let's talk about the fact that Andy Reid has been absolutely ridiculous over the last two weeks. We talked about it a little bit last week when we were discussing how he built an offense for Matt Moore. It's not dissimilar to essentially the conversation we were just having about Baltimore. Like what Andy Reid has been able to do with not Patrick Mahomes is a reminder of how much better he is than pretty much every single other offensive coach in the NFL. Matt Moore was a scout eight months ago. He was at pro days. There is there are pictures. <laughs> Play action has been Matt Moore's friend. It's been Andy Reid's friend. It's, it should be every coach's friend. That's how he got that 40-yard bomb to Tyreek Hill. This is kind of the distant cousin of the Colts thing, right? Where if you're a coach who just makes excuses and and says, oh, we had this injury, we had that injury. Andy Reid's win with Matt Moore. And it's not like he's going to win with defense because we saw what the defense looked like when Patrick Mahomes was in. Okay. The Andy Reid is winning because he has Andy Reid uh, right now. Um, when Patrick Mahomes gets back, they'll go back to being one of the best teams in the NFL, et cetera. But I mean, look, they were five and three coming into this game. Okay. There, this, there was no guarantee that they were going to have some great record when Patrick Mahomes got back. Their ability to now have a little bit of cushion. Patrick Mahomes was, you know, Jay Glazer had that report that he had, a, you know, a, a not insignificant chance of re-injuring his knee if he came back this week, but it goes way down next week. If I, I, I would, if I was the GM of the Chiefs, give him another week after this week. But that's that's neither here nor there. But what I'm saying is that the Matt Moore, the ability to win with Matt Moore, is why Andy Reid is Andy Reid. Full stop. Yeah, I, I think that's 100 percent true. And I'll be curious to see what they end up doing because so they have two more games and then they have a bye. I, we've talked about this before. I think that you were you've been on this train for a while. Well, I said it before he was injured, but uh, yes. I said it before the kneecap injury. I said we should go full load management with Patrick Mahomes. But so okay, so let's kind of reevaluate it now. It seems like not only is the AFC West probably locked up, like I mean they're going to win that division. It seems like the number two seed is probably theirs. Why would you bring him back before de- December 1st? Or excuse me, yeah, that, that's, that, that's their first game after the bias, December 1st. Why would you bring him back before December 1st? 
I'm not sure because he wants to. I mean, I and it seems like he does. But that's like it's, it, if they lost today, they'd be they'd be not. It's in an that entirely shape, different conversation in, because the the Raiders are four and four, and then you just have to at least think about the idea that you wouldn't make you wouldn't win the, the AFC West. That 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 changes everything. This was a massive massive win for the Chiefs. So I I'm in agreement with you. I think I would sit him out for December first. Absolutely. Because I mean, I think that the who is the team you would fear when it comes to the two seed? Houston, uh, Baltimore. Who's who's? Oh yeah, that's, seven that's, two. I didn't even think about that. Who's yeah. probably going to get the two seed? Yeah, that, it, it's so funny how much things have changed in the like the past two weeks as I've been kind of evaluating this. Yeah, it maybe. I mean, I, honestly, this might be true. I mean, they, they have the same record as they have the same record as Houston. And then I know I we're not you know, listen at this point at this point let's not get ahead of ourselves the Bills have a higher winning percentage, but I I think the way the Ravens have played might change your urgency I really do I don't know man I maybe tell maybe you. it shouldn't but I don't think it should but maybe that does because the, we've talked about this so much having that buy is so important it really is. The Ravens and Texans play in two weeks, so we'll see what happens there. But listen, if I'm Brett Veach, if I'm Andy Reid, I understand the need to to get him out there to get the two seed or whatever. But if I think there's any chance he could re-injure the knee, this is the guy, Patrick Mahomes, who's going to be good for 15 years. I mean, maybe more. I mean, like guys go till they're like 42 it's now, what you so hope. maybe more. I, yeah, I, I think and you have so to think about it that way, even if it's not you a guarantee. Have to. Yeah. You have to. You start negotiating for a contract very soon. He's going to be a chief for as long as as long as time goes, as long as this, you know, until the sun burns out. And so why would you why would you say, "Oh, we got to get that two seed?" I just think that's that's kind of the type of thinking where if it's risky and then listen, if the doctor says he's ready to go, let's let it rip. Like I'm, I'm a hundred percent in on this and, and he can come back next week. But I'm saying if there's the chance internally, they're saying, Oh, we might, we might be taking a little bit of a risk. I, I would not take that risk. I wouldn't either. I mean, I, I, we, I think we, that- by the way, we won't know. We will not know this. If he, he could be completely cleared on Tuesday and they play and whatever, but we won't have all the information. And so it's it's going to be hard on the back end for us to criticize anything that the, the Chiefs do. So I just, yeah, I'm just saying, I, I just, if I was thinking, if I hear those words, okay, it might, it might be a risk, I would give him an extra week. Because the two I are, seed I versus the three seed is not that important relative to the health of Patrick freaking Mahomes. Over the next 10 years of your franchise, I, I err on the side of caution. I, I think that we're on the same page here. I I wouldn't be surprised if he plays next week if it's possible because I think that NFL teams are inherently short-sighted. But that's I would think of it in terms of all right, if there is a like a 5% chance that him playing next week will do long-term damage, I think that you just let him sit down. Because we've seen what they can do. I mean, like they just beat a really good team today. Mm-hmm. If if this was a situation where you weren't functional without him, I think it changes the calculus. But they're beyond functional. That there are good teams still without him. Again, because of Andy Reid. Yep, I'm with you. All right, let's stick with those AFC contenders. We don't have to go long on this. I, I just I, I was up at 8:30 in the morning watching it happen today. Deshaun Watson just like knocks me on my ass sometimes. 
it, it's unbelievable the type of stuff he can pull off. And I, I think that they have decent players there. You know, I think that the Hopkins fuller combination when that offense is really working is he's not doing it himself. But I think today there were a handful of plays where it's just Deshaun Watson exclamation point, And that's all there is to say. Yeah. He uh, attributed it to eating Popeye's sandwiches after the game, um, which is nice product placement there. Um, he's already, he's already a, a mid career veteran as far as knowing how to get, <laughs> how to get paid. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this guy keeps doing special stuff every week and it's incredible. And I, I just, you know, I, he is, he's another one of these players where I, I am, I will believe anything he does in a football field right now. And yeah, that's a good way to just, put it. He's great. And, and you can see why And it was obviously a terrible trade value wise, but you can see why Bill O'Brien would want to go in on protecting this guy with the Laramie Tunsil type trade because two first round picks, steep price to pay, still got to give him a lot of money. But the most important thing needs to be protecting this guy at all costs. And we, we've joked a lot about, you know, their, how, how badly they've done at that. And obviously, you know, congrats to the Texans on, Deshaun being able to fly over to London. Um, that was very, that's a big step. Um, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's, this is the team we thought they could be. We knew they would be a good team for 2019 because of, of what they invested. Again, I, I still think it's a shame JJ Watts out for this season. We, we're not going to see them at, at full strength, but this is, you know, these are the performances we thought we'd see. Yeah. The defense thing I think is it, unfortunate. I mean, I don't know how good that defense can be now. You know, their secondary is kind of a mess. No Watt. In terms of like the overall peak of what this team can be, I think it's not to the degree that like the Chiefs and the Patriots will be. Or and honestly, even the Ravens. Point, yeah. I mean, I think you have to throw them in there too. It's. I think that this isn't the year, but I still think that having him motivates you to try to do everything you can to win a Super Bowl. And I don't fault them for trying to do it because I think he is that good. And I think today was a reminder of that. Uh, you want to talk about two other tangentially related quarterbacks who made news today, uh, Gardner Minshew and then, and then Jacoby Brissett. Yes. So, yeah. And so now we have a Gardner Minshew quarterback controversy in Jacksonville, do we? Yeah. I think that the, the problem with Minshew and it was always going to be this way is that resources tend to dictate decision-making and right. the fools, the fools thing was, the bar for Minshew to clear was always so high because of the money that Jacksonville put into Foles. And I think now we're getting to this point where he may not have cleared it. I would give him a chance and I would see what I could get for Foles this offseason. But we've seen teams be way less risk, like way less risk averse than that in the past. Yeah. So I think that in order to slam the door on a very expensive quarterback, you've got to leave. No doubt. Um, yes. I think Dak, Dak Prescott closing the door on Tony Romo That's was a good the example. blueprint for that, where they didn't even think about going back to Tony Romo by the time that decision was made. If you remember that, I remember for basically the first, what, six weeks of the season, everybody was like, oh, Tony. Was yeah. What, what, back, and then what was evolved. that? Because Romo, it was a, was it a back injury? It was a, it was a collarbone. Oh, it was a collarbone. So that's like an eight to 10 week it thing. Was a collarbone. Which again, that's, that that's funny here. And then Dak Prescott had they. It was like they made it all in one day. Tony Romo gave like a concession speech. It was all yeah, kind of weird. That. 
it was all kind of weird to be honest with you. And everybody was like, he's being so classy about it. And I, I, I always got the vibe that he was pretty upset about it. Anyway, that's, that's uh, like just publicly, just reading the tea leaves when I saw the, the press conference, they were like, what a classy response. And I was like, I don't know, it seems like he's like a competitor. He probably wants to start on this team that might win the Super Bowl. Anyway, enough about the 2016 Cowboys. Um, you know, look, Russell Wilson beat out Matt Flynn his rookie year, but Matt Flynn was making, what, eight a year, something like that. It was not, you know, one of the highest, one of the biggest free agents of the season the previous yeah. year. So, I don't know. I mean, I think that they'll give Foles a chance to get his job back, whether that's in practice or not, um, or they put him in a game. I don't know. But it, it, the Jaguars, we've seen, we, we kind of know what they might look like with Foles, but unfortunately, after Sunday, we know what the downside of, of Minshew is. So I don't know. I don't know where you go from here. Well, I mean, yeah, the 2019 Jaguars are not the 2016 Cowboys. Like, they're four and five. Or or, so, the, or the 2012 Seahawks. Yeah. I mean, it, it just... It, I would assume they go back to Foles later. I think this is more about a. This is more a question to me about. And, and by the way, Minshew is not Dak Prescott. By the way, just so anyone, no one thinks no, that I'm it, making that comparison or Russell Wilson. So I, I think that he's had some really good moments. I, I I wrote something about kind of this idea that's going to run next week about like what those moments can mean and like how kind of translatable they are and all that stuff. I, I think that what Gardner Minshew has done is that he is shown the league that he deserves a chance. And I don't know if that's in Jacksonville, but I think it's somewhere. I feel like one of those guys will not be on the roster next year. And I think that games like today make it more likely that Gardner Minshew is the guy that ends up on another team somewhere next year. Hmm. Right? Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 do, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly, the, what, what Jacksonville will do with this roster We've talked about it. I, I think I, I'm more encouraged than I thought I would be with Jacksonville for the first half of the season. I just yeah, I'm, I'm I'm ready. I honestly think it's foolish to to guess even what would Foles will look like coming back from injury as well. Yeah, but I think that again, like the resources part of it. I mean, if so, if they trade Foles, I think his cap hit next year is like 21 million, mm-hmm. and I think if they traded him, it would be 18. So they'd save money, but it still makes more sense to me that you would stick with the guy you spent that much on and that Minshew would be somebody you could trade for something. I don't necessarily think I, I don't know if I, that's what I would do. I don't know if that's the right choice, but I think if we're playing it out a hundred times, that's the most likely outcome to me. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, 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 I know that that's a bad answer right now, but I just, I think there's just, I have no idea what the Jaguars will do. I mean, by the way, this is a team that gave Nick Foles all that money in the first place because they wanted him to be a leader in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, it's but that stuff happens. Like, so no, I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying that to put myself in the decision making shoes of Tom Coughlin might be slightly foolish. But it's all. also like that that stuff matters. Like them. No, doing I know. That, I'm just saying, guessing it, what's going to happen there is hard because I can't. We're Tom Coughlin views things differently than I. That's why he's won two Super Bowls, and I'm, I've am i won zero. All right. Uh, let's do one more here. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks and their quarterback. I mean, it, we, we've talked about them all year. I, I just think that as we discuss the NFC and as teams like Green Bay lose today, as team uh, the Vikings lost today, you know, the Eagles looked very pedestrian against the Bears. We have yet to see Dallas play. If Russell Wilson is this guy, I think there's kind of a why not to the Seahawks right now. That's how I would for frame. sure. 
for sure. I mean, first of all, DK Metcalf, good draft pick. Very fast, very big. It works for them. But this we we knew we knew that this that was gonna we knew they that he could do a job, right? I mean, that's the whole that's the whole thing about coaching and offense is putting guys in position to succeed. We knew what the the sort of optimal version of DK Metcalf was, and the Seahawks are putting him in position at least on Sunday. So that's great. Yes, I mean Russell Wilson is what if the season ended today who's your mvp it's him i mean it, yeah, it was, I we uh, didn't uh, did I, we I, all pick him at the ringer i i don't know i haven't read that post i mean i did no no, no uh uh danny kelly screen grabbed it and said at least at least like four of us did yeah i mean i think that's fair i think that after today uh the lamar jackson thing is probably you know you can make a case i think the case could be very real <laughs> I don't think you'd oh, be throwing sure. darts, but I think I think there's, I, there's a group opinion, there. I, I think there's a group. It's Wilson, Watson, and Jackson right now. Wilson has 22 touchdowns, one interception, three yeah. rush touchdowns. Who, wait, who do you want to throw in there? No, I think that's the, I think that's the group. I, I think you trying yeah. to throw Rogers in there? No, I'm not. No, no. you sound like uh, you want to throw somebody in there. Just do it. I, no, do it, do no, it it's, coward. It, it's more so that I haven't thought about it in that like in that way. I, I haven't grouped those three guys together, but I I think you're right. It, it's Maybe I'm being a prisoner of the moment. I think that the like maybe I'm tearing it. Like I think that Wilson and Lamar, and then I think that Deshaun's probably one step down. If it is that fair? Mm, yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, maybe it's team success. I don't know. The MVP thing is always so silly. I guess I, I'm I'm putting them all three in one tier, and then we could they have eight weeks to sort it all out. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. I, I just think that Wilson has played. Essentially flawless football for most. He of would season. get he would get my non-existent vote if I had to vote today. Yeah. I agree. Um, all right. Anything else about the Seahawks? No, I just I mean I, I just think that it's again I so I did my midseason power rankings on Friday, and what I wrote about Seattle was essentially that they're flawed. Like they th- this is a team that has so many issues, but when it comes to especially right now as things are so muddled when you're trying to like build contenders, if you have a quarterback playing at this level, you are relevant and you are dangerous. And that's mm-hmm. essentially how I feel about Seattle right now. Yeah. I'm, I saw this stat from the NFL. Russ Wilson's the only player in the Super Bowl era with 22 or more pass touchdowns and one or fewer interceptions in the first nine games of the season. So what he's doing is actually unprecedented. And, and it's not I, cheap either. Like it, it's the throws he's making, all of that stuff. It's you know, occasionally we can have things where, all right, you know, you you do a little like pitch pass on the two yard line to get a touchdown. You you're, you have like five dropped interceptions, whatever. Yeah. It, it's he's not doing that. Like every no. single bit of his production and what he's been is real. It's earned, and I think that's why they're so scary. Yeah, um, I mean, this was, by the way, we're acting like they blew the Bucks out. I mean, this was a a one-score game that that was actually, it went to, you know, this was an overtime game, okay? So, like, this wasn't... But that's the the thing about them, right? Like, I think they're not that good of a team. (laughs) I I just think that he is so good that it's, that's what makes them relevant. Okay, I I think they're immensely flawed. So, I have some good news, Rob. We're about to find out if they're immensely flawed because they have Niners, Eagles... Vikings, Rams, Panthers. That's the next five games. 
And the, I, I think that Eagles game is huge. We talked about it on the Thursday show. I mean, it, I think they could absolutely miss the playoffs because of just, again, the issues with the rest of their roster. But he's playing so well that it's, it's impossible to ignore. Do you that. think the Eagles are a better team than the Seahawks? Yes. So, I, I th- uh, uh, all right. What? Give me, give me three seconds to think about this. In what way? Like, what, what does that question mean? I mean, mean? Did, when the Eagles and the Seahawks play, do you think the Eagles will win? Maybe not. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it, it's, the, the, like, it's exactly what we talked about with the Eagles on the Thursday show. I just, the, the talent is such that I want to convince myself that maybe they're better. Yeah, I, but I, I would not. Like, they did not look good today. They beat a shitty team today. They sure did. I, if you took the names off and I hadn't picked the Eagles to win the Super Bowl, I think that I'm not, I think that I wouldn't even, this wouldn't even be a debate. I think that that's true for both of us. I think from what we've just seen with the right, eye test like, over the past eight, nine weeks. So the eye test, the yes. Seahawks. The eye but test, the, what's, yeah. what's, what's other than the eye test? If you lined up the rosters. But the rosters if, are just, the, we've seen eight weeks of the rosters. It's, but it's, okay, let's, let's do this. Because I think this is an interesting discussion. What about the Seahawks is better than the Eagles? Like, what area are the Seahawks okay. better than the Eagles? Quarterback. And I think that's it. What about secondary? The Seahawks defense is not good, man. Well, the Eagles give up a touchdown every time the quarterback knows how to throw a forward pass. Sure, so. but like the, the, the Seahawks defense is not good. I understand I, that. I understand if that. If you were but doing what I'm, like a box checking every area of the team, I think the Seahawks have a better quarterback and maybe a better secondary, but I, it's, not, it's not as if they're blowing at them out. No. Like the I, C, the look, Seahawks defense has been actively the bad Seahawks for most of the don't, season. The C, listen, the Seahawks don't have the, the, the Patriots secondary here, okay? But the Eagles have some flaws that are just like pretty glaring, okay? I mean, like it's, it's pretty bad. And so, even though I think that the last time I checked this last week, I think the Seahawks' pass defense is literally in the 20s. Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, but the Eagles right now, they're so banged up. They're slow back there. Pete Carroll is, I think, a pretty good defensive coach to where I think that that might get better as the times. I'm sorry. He's a very good defensive coach, but he's certainly pretty good at defensive backs to the point that I think that might get better as time goes on. They're 20th in defense right now. And I think if you have the best quarterback in football, which they it looks like they might, that's enough to get you there. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I'm just saying that if we were lining it up, I think that's the only area with conviction you could say they're better. And that's probably all Qu- that matters at this what, point. What, quarterback? Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. I mean, I just, I, I just think right now, from what I've seen, I, I, would, I would go with the Seahawks, a better team. All right, let's... Uh, let's by the way, the, by the let, way let, you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy this. The... Uh, Eagles defense is 21st in the NFL. So there you go. Right. I mean, it's right there. It's, I think that it's, it's a fascinating discussion about like how much quarterback matters. 
All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break. With two-thirds of guys experiencing noticeable hair loss by age 35, most guys assume losing their hair is inevitable as they age. Some don't care. Some shave their head. Some embrace hats. But what they don't know is that there are FDA-approved medications designed to stop hair loss and even regrow hair. That's why we're excited to partner with our sponsor, Roman. Roman makes it easy to get safe, FDA-approved hair loss treatment, all from your phone or computer. And when you go to GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL, your online visit is free. Consult with a U.S. licensed physician through their secure online platform. No awkward conversations with receptionists or reading bad magazines in the waiting rooms. Once your doctor ensures that treatment will be safe and effective for you, Roman's dedicated pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping and discreet packaging. If you're noticing unwanted hair loss, starting treatment early is key, and Roman can help. And today, Roman is giving the Ringer NFL show listeners a free online visit at GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL. That's GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL for a free visit to get started. Go to GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL. All right, guys, big news. NFL superstar J.J. Watt wants to change your life. And no, he's not doing a TED Talk or writing a self-help book. This is way better. To support a great cause, J.J. Watt has teamed up with Omaze to offer you the chance to win a brand new Ford Raptor with taxes and shipping included and $100,000 to put towards a house down payment or help pay off your mortgage. And if that's not enough, he's even going to fly you and a friend to Houston to meet up with them. For your chance to win, go to omaze.com slash NFL show and enter now. That's O-M-A-Z-E dot com forward slash NFL show. And as a special bonus, enter the promo code NFL show 150 and you'll score 150 free entries. That's promo code NFL show 150. Best of all, every donation supports the Justin J. Watt Foundation and their work to empower and inspire children through sport. Once again, that's omaze.com slash NFL show, promo code NFL show 150. Let's, uh, let's stick with the Eagles a, a little bit here because we're going to get to stock down. How, all right, let's, let's start the clock right now. How long do we have to talk about the Bears? Um, well, I'll just ask you questions and you can answer them. Uh, I'm, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Okay. Do you feel worse than you did last week? Yes. Or have you lost the ability to feel? I don't feel worse because I've lost the ability to feel. Okay. On a practical level, um, I the information coming into my as I process it is worse. Okay. Is, does that make sense? Like yeah, I don't. Yeah, there, yeah. There's no emotion tied to it, but as I try to like analyze it and and, and think about it in a pragmatic way, I. F- it's worse. That's okay. what I would say. Okay. On a scale of one to ten, how much did it hurt watching Matt Moore win a game when the Chiefs had no idea he was going to have to play? When your team cannot score points or even complete a successful forward pass with the number two overall pick? It's tough because I I want to think that it's the quarterback, and I really do. And I want to, the way that I was talking about today, and I, and I think I do believe this, I do think you could win with a bad quarterback in the NFL. We've seen it over and over and over again. You know, think about how many teams have backups this year that have done okay. 
I mean, the Chiefs are just the latest, like the latest example. I feel like as I watch this team, the shortcomings of the quarterback have crept into everything else. I think that it affects the game planning. I think that it affects the way the defense is playing. I think that it affects everything. It's not about the drop-off to me from what Mitchell Trubisky is to whoever else. I don't think that Chase Daniel is necessarily a better quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky is right now. I just think that if you want to convince your locker room that you're trying to do everything you can to win, it's tough to trot him out there right now. That's what I would say. Okay. I have two more questions. If you were a McCaskey... How seriously would you look at firing Matt Nagy? I wouldn't. I zero uh, percent. Okay. If you I, were, the okay, Ryan Pace thing is an entirely different conversation. That, okay, that's but that's the last question. Final last question. If you were a McCaskey, probably wouldn't have to do this podcast. But how seriously <laughs> would you look at perhaps firing Ryan Pace? I would definitely think about it. That's it. Would you like to expand we, on potentially so, firing your GM? So the pace thing is, I, I this is tough for me because I think if you like go back and look at all the things I've read or I've I've written or tweeted or whatever, it, it's the receipts are are pretty bad. But I think with pace, there is enough of a poor track record where you could rationalize it. I think that a lot of the signings have been bad. I think that this offseason for him was terrible. And there were limited resources, obviously. You know, they were pretty much up against the cap, but the the Buster Screen contract is unacceptable. The Mike Davis contract is unacceptable. I think the Trey Burton thing, even in the in the moment, I was like, all right, fine, but that's a terrible contract. The way he has treated draft picks is not something you can do in the modern NFL. Trading away a future fourth-round pick to go get David Montgomery is inexcusable, and he's done it consistently. With Nagy, I think that the scheme is still there. I've seen enough moments where I would bet on it with a different quarterback, and I think that he's earned the right to try to do it with a different quarterback. But I think the way they've built this team, uh, you could definitely make an argument that the GM needs to change. That's what I would say. Okay. Let's move on to another topic. One that doesn't pain you as much. I really don't want to. All right. You want to you want me to ask more questions? Let's talk about the Colts for a second. That's fine. Was, uh, the Colts who are having, going to have more success with Brian Hoyer than the Bears are having with Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> the Bears have with Mitch Trubisky. All right. Yeah. We, we don't know the seriousness of Brissett's injury, um, but Brian Hoyer comes in. Look, if 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 you were to say, if you were to tell the Colts that they were going to lose Jacoby Brissett, Brian Hoyer was going to come and he was going to immediately throw a touchdown, they'd be competitive against an okay Steelers team and they'd take that. Because Brian Hoyer, listen, your starting quarterback retires in preseason. Jacoby Brissett exceeds everybody's expectations. Been a very good quarterback. But at some point, it has to catch up with you. You're dealing with what started out being a third-string quarterback. So I think with the Colts, the question I have for you is, was the ceiling for them this season always just being a semi-feel-good story? I mean, if you look at the game, no. I mean, I think they they could, they definitely could have won the division, and they still can if Jacoby Brissett can come back and be healthy. 
But do you, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, they probably could have. And they've had some impressive wins. And they've, when you look at the actual standings, of course they could have. But you, like, just based on this team, the talent that they have, was this always the destiny? Where it's like, okay, they, they won some games. They're impressive. Frank Reich is arguably the coach of the year. But as we get down to brass tacks, there was no way they could do this. I don't know if that's true. I don't think you can count out. I'm, any I'm team. asking the. I'm asking the. Yeah, question. yeah, I'm yeah. Like, no, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't think you can count out any team with that good of a coaching staff and that good of infrastructure. I tend like, to agree I think with that, you. I think that the the lesson of football over and over and over is that smart teams beat dumb teams, and even when you think that there's a huge talent disparity or a quarterback disparity or even a coaching disparity, whatever it is, like those things, smarts matter. And they show up and they show up in the playoffs and they show up in weird road playoff games. We're not expecting it. And all of a sudden a huge upset is pulled. And five years later, we say, well, of course that team pulled the upset. Look who their coach was. Look who their coordinators were. Look who their GM was. You can reverse engineer it in, in the, uh, in hindsight, right? But you cannot see it coming unless you can figure out who the smart people are, who are going to go in and pull those upsets without Jacoby Brissett. This doesn't look like a team that's going to do that. But I don't think you can ever count on a genuinely smart team. And at this point with Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, the Colts are one of the smartest teams in football. I think that, you know, I think the Patriots are always going to be on a different level. But then there's a, there's a group of teams. I, I haven't thought about this. So don't get mad if I don't name your team. But, you know, Baltimore is up there. Kansas New City Orleans, I think is up there. The New Orleans, you threw out there. Indianapolis. Yeah. yeah, I mean, those are the teams. And I would say most years, I perpetually probably philadelphia is up there i mean they won the super bowl because they're smart the same regime is still there um they birthed frank reich's you know eventual head coaching job right so i think the smart teams win dumb team dumb teams lose and the culture smart team so I, I don't think you can ever put a real ceiling on a team with the colts when, when everybody's healthy if you look at their schedule there have been a lot of close wins okay so they beat the, the falcons by three they beat the titans by two they beat the Broncos last week by two. They're doing so much, and it's enviable. And I, I want to preface this by saying I think that what Frank Reich and what every single aspect of that organization has done this year is amazing. But I do think that maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. And maybe this is a little bit smoke and mirrors, and they're destined to be a 9-17 and 17 this year. And that's okay. Like it, it's that, That's unbelievable considering not only the luck thing, but the injuries they've dealt with everywhere else. I mean, this the, the job that the team building side and the coaching side has done this season is remarkable. But I do think that if we're talking about, again, tiers of teams, they're just one step down. And they're going to be maybe a team that sneaks in, and that's all they are. And I think that's probably okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, look, we may not may – not- find out and Brissett might be out. They might have to do the Brian Hoyer thing for, for a couple of weeks. And that might be yeah, that's probably over out of the playoffs. But I, you know, again, I just think that even, even if this is the end of the road for them, if Brissett is out for the year, or he's out for four weeks and, and they fall out of it, whatever. I still think that, you know, we've learned a lot about what this organization is and I've come away even more impressed than I was. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with you. I, I think the exact same thing. I just feel like, when, when you're talking about the best teams in the league, they probably fall just a bit short right now. For sure. And that's oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. You're not, no argument from me. That's, yeah, that's, and that's okay. They are, not, they are not on the tier in the AFC with Patriots and then Chiefs, Ravens, and then I certainly, at this point, not the Texans if they don't have their quarterback. And that's okay. 
It's totally fine. I, I, I think what they've done is so impressive. I think that they are, like you said, one of the best run organizations. Their future is very bright. It just, at a certain point, you just don't have it. You don't have the guys to do it. And I, and I think that we've reached that point with them a little bit. All yep. right. Packers. One more stock, one more stock down. Uh, do you think this is a blip for the Packers? Do you think this is, it, I mean, listen, did you learn anything? Happen. Yeah. I, that's kind of how I feel too. I mean, I just, the, they laid an egg on the West coast. I, I would put more stock in the first half of the season than this one game. I'm not, I'm not too worried. I mean, this is what we talked about. The narratives reverse each other every single time. I mean, the Vikings are, you know, the Vikings are like the best offensive football for a number of weeks. Kirk Cousins wins NFL quarterback of the month or whatever, and then he loses to Matt Moore. Like the, these things just tend to happen. The Steelers, we all sat around dunking on the Steelers three weeks ago. The Minka Fitzpatrick trade looked like a huge overpay, and all of a sudden he just scores touchdowns every couple plays. Like this is just. I think it still probably is, but yeah. Yeah, no, I know, but we're you know the, again these things just happen. The Browns, uh, do we, are we going to? Are you doing the Browns for the challenge flag, or we just have to talk with them for twenty minutes on Thursday? Uh, let, let's do twenty minutes on Thursday because our okay. challenge flag is the same. Okay, I just so just so everybody knows, we're going to do it. We'll, we will do. We promise a deeper dive on the disaster that is the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, we will. We will. We will do that. But there's a lot of stuff that happened today, so it's. Yeah, I mean, we're, it's basically. I mean, it's, it's, I mean that's. We need to like read their obituary, but let, let's put that aside for a second and read a uh, read a different type of obituary. Yeah, I, I the Packers, I think we're on the same page. I, I think that yeah. you have moments. I think this team is going to be fine. The only thing I'll say about this is that this loss is a, a bad thing because the Saints probably have the inside track now. I think that's the only problem. Yeah. Is that it, it, it's it, the only issue with like I think I, that Green I, Bay I, I and New that, Orleans are right there with each other, and the losing a game like this is a bad thing because you don't want to go to New Orleans to play the NFC Championship game. That's the only thing I I, I have to say about this. I think so, they'll be fine, but that's the issue. I thought that the Packers were always not going to get home field. I, I thought that the Saints were Oh, see, I, I thought I they had a chance once, once Drew Brees got back and they didn't drop a game with Teddy Bridgewater, I thought that that might have been it. Yeah, I thought they were kind of neck and neck. I honestly did. But I think that this is a big loss. And then obviously... We can talk about the Niners later. I think that you know, the Niners are very good. I I don't know if they're as good as the Saints and the Packers. I I, I haven't decided that yet. This is a, we're doing a lot of two seed talk today because it, it matters, man. Like it really does. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I for sure. But I just think that I always saw the Saints as as a as cut slightly above half a cut above the Packers. I think if I really was honest with myself, I would agree with you. And I did a when I did the the rankings yesterday, I, I put the Saints higher just because I do think their roster is better. And I also think that we've seen it with the Saints, right? We've seen that team accomplish those things. We've seen how good they can be. With the Packers, it's still a bit of a projection. It, it, for as good as they've been in stretches, this is new. You know, they're still trying to figure out who they are, their footing, all of that stuff. With the Saints, there's no there's no speculation the, the saints. We've, this is the team they are and we've seen how good they can be. And now breeze is back. So I, I do think there are a, some like a, a slight cut above, but we'll see what happens. All right. Let's, let's get to that obituary. It's for Adam Gase's coaching career. We're going through challenge flags here very quickly. We have the same one. I just, what, what do you have to say about the New York jets at this point? The the Dolphins tanking plan was going so well until somebody else hired Adam Gase. 
<laughs> it, it's so beautiful and so appropriate that Adam Gase would fuck up the Dolphins tanking plan. I, I, there's something so amazing about it. It's, it's my favorite amazing. thing that happened today. It's amazing. I mean, this is, I think Patrick Daughtry is the one who tweeted this, but that was the ultimate Adam Gase revenge game was screwing up <laughs> the Dolphins tank. We thought it was like the worst case scenario happened, which is Adam Gase was so inept. He accidentally screwed up the Dolphins plan again. That was amazing. I, I just don't know. Listen, Sam Darnold has regressed. He's making throws he shouldn't make. If I was at Johnson and I'm looking at this or I'm Joe Douglas, and I know that, again, that situation gets complicated because of when he was hired and, and you know, probably who hired him. Also, they have a history. Like there, There's a no, lot of, of stuff going on there. Of course. No, but what I'm suggesting is like Gase helped, just timing-wise, Gase helped Douglas get the job. And yes. so now it would be weird for whatever. Anyway, putting that aside for a second, if I'm a Johnson who, who was not hired by Adam Gase, I was only hired because their brother took a job as an ambassador. Uh, if I'm Chris Johnson, I'm looking at Sam Darnold and I'm seeing regression and I'm saying the most valuable commodity in sports is a good franchise quarterback. And it looks like uh, our man, Adam Gase, is screwing with that and he needs to not be able to do that anymore. So of all the, the first-year head coaches that have struggled, right? So if we're laying them out, uh, Freddie Kitchens... Gase, I think those those two are probably in, uh, Zach Taylor. Okay, that that that's fair. All right, so we're laying those three out. I think that the there's the best argument for Gase to be gone after this year. I think you could absolutely make it about Kitchens, you but I have no idea how you can rationalize bringing Adam Gase back next year. Yeah, I mean you just can't. I mean maybe before this, if if they went five and eleven or something, okay. Well, there's the building box are in place or whatever BS you want to tell yourself. This is regression. It's disaster. This is, you know, I think that if you're a Jets fan, you miss Todd Bowles right now. Um, look, Joe Douglas, I think is going to be a good executive. He just can't. He cannot have this big of a disaster on his hands the first year and not make massive changes. Now, I will say, this is important, waiting in the wings, interim coach Greg Williams, baby. Well, we saw what he did with the Browns last year. Maybe, maybe that's the Browns' problem is that they got rid of Greg Williams. <laughs> he was we've, holding we've it all it. together. That's, that's the issue. He was holding it all together. No, I mean, I just think we, we can – we could use I don't I actually don't think Greg Williams is all that great of a coach, but what I will say is that we can use, you know, six or seven weeks of just Greg Williams press conferences. I'm in. It, it's I think you made this joke maybe like a month ago about how if the offense wasn't going to be good, that there's the sitting down with the bobs kind of question with yeah, Adam Gase. Right. Like, what is it that you so, do so here? what what exactly do you do here? I did say his day on that last week. If you're not gonna see progression and improvement from Sam Darnold then there's no reason for Adam Gase to be your head coach. It, it's not as if he has this track record where it, it's undeniable and it's somebody you have to stick with. That doesn't mm-hmm. exist. The entire appeal to him was maybe he didn't have the level of talent in Miami that he was going to have here after they spent all this money and they have this young quarterback that you're excited about. But that's over now. I mean, they are literally the worst offense in football. They're worse than the Dolphins. And I know that Sam Darnold didn't play for a chunk of the season, but even teams have gotten by with their backup quarterbacks and they weren't historically bad offenses. I just don't think that you can make any argument as to why the status quo right now with the Jets is something that you should continue. No argument here.
What do you want to do for the uh, tomorrow's headlines? Tomorrow's headlines is going to be Lamar hype. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think that it's the Lamar Jackson kind of MVP hype train, you know, where they stand, all of that stuff. I, I'm not sure there's any other option at this point. For the most part, it was kind of a dull week outside of him doing what he did. Yeah, I mean, he's again, he saved a very dull slate of football. I think that there was some bad football that, that w- would have gotten us through. Um, as far as talking points go, Adam Gase, the Browns would have had a bigger chunk of, of the show had he not come through with all this excitement. But I really, I mean, he he saved a very boring week with an electrifying performance. It's Lamar week, and Mallory Rubin is going to be a very happy person as a result. All right, guys, that's all we got. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We will be back on Thursday with the Week 10 preview. Until then, uh, please go read TheRinger.com. Thank you so much for listening to The Ringer NFL Show on The Ringer Podcast Network.